0: Christmas time is, it's, it can be complicated, right? I mean, it can be a complicated time of the year, and a complicated season. We, you're probably experiencing that. I am experiencing that. You, you have like these tubs, for example, right? These tubs that you don't know where they are. They're in the rafters in your garage or they're in cabinets or closets. And, and about, you know, the end of November, Early December, some of you, it's later today, today, this afternoon. They come out and and they just kind of like throw up all over your house. What wasn't there before now is there. And it's like, what did we do before we had this garland places and and these gold shimmering things and these wreaths and and these tassels and things like that? And it's just this thing. It's what we do, but it complicates our life, my life. Uh, My wife is all about Christmas. We take it very seriously. We have a lot of fun. And we have a. you know, it's 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 so important to her that I I went along with it when we show up at Home Depot and when she's picking out trees and she wanted this tree that just was magical to her that she started hugging and I can't say no once your wife hugs the tree. So we bought said tree. It's nine feet tall, and uh, our condo is twelve hundred square feet, and this tree takes up two hundred of that. So it's infringing on my living space. Christmas can be complicated, right? It can also be complicated because sometimes our family dynamic is complicated. Some of you have divorce in your families, and you are wondering, is so and so going to bring so and so to the dinner? Uh, because we can circumvent this, we can like navigate this dynamic, and we can do like we can go look at lights and then pretend that that's the end of the night, and then just have the people that we want to have dinner with come back and have dinner. Or if we invite her, then she's gonna have, we're going to have to invite them because they go together. And there's, there's this complicated dynamic because there's awkward stuff in our families, and it's just real. Some of you are kind of newer in your relationships, dating or newlyweds, and you're trying to figure out how we do this family thing. Hillary and I figured it out early on. It was quite simple. She has a tight family, and so she let me know how we would be spending our holidays. <laughs> thanksgiving christmas easter labor day hillary 's family but it 's cool it 's even because my family gets Flag Day, Arbor Day, <laughs> Groundhog Day, and Martin luther King jr so <laughs> it 's just kind of keeping things in balance right you want you want to make everybody happy and, and so there's there 's that complication level, right, not to mention. The extra calorie intake, your workouts probably go down, and that's just real. So that, that's just the world that we live in. The last little piece of that, that I just have to bring up, because it's a pain, and I know you gentlemen feel this pain, is what you get, your significant other or spouse, right? Because your wife, your girlfriend, Hillary, for me, says, you know, it doesn't matter what you get me. Don't believe that for a second. <laughs> that is not the truth. It does matter what you... Our first Christmas, we were just dating, and I, I went to this nice store and then, you know, town we lived in. I got this really cool purse. I mean, it was like a really nice purse. It was on sale, kind of an expensive purse, but it was on sale. So I was like, and we were just dating. I was trying to make a good impression. We were going to be having Christmas with her family, shocker. And so I wanted her to open it up, and it was just like, hey, this is great. So, I get her this nice, this nice purse, and it's in the bag, and it's got the, the tissue paper and everything. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, right? So, it's under the tree, and it comes to her turn, and she opens it up, and she goes, Oh, a purse. This is. This. And then, kind of like this, look around, like, Is this all you got me? So I didn't know that growing up, Hillary, one of her love languages is gifts. And so she, it was more about quantity for her than quality. And, and, and she kind of preferred that I didn't spend that much money on a purse that she didn't really care about, that she didn't choose, and would rather have like a bunch of smaller things that she could tear open in her childlike spirit that she has and open on this Christmas. So I learned that lesson. I have learned that, that you can... You can buy and you want to buy nice, not too expensive, but it better not be too inexpensive right I mean, there are plenty of different ways that this can go badly and and that is just real it 's complicated this time of year it 's complicated in our world there 's crazy things going on as you know in our world. It can be a complicated season, and our culture doesn 't help. It just heaps on more pressure and expectations around this season, so you might be feeling a burden of, man, Christmas, this is complicated, or this is tiring, or there's just too much going on. So what I want to do today is just make good and clear this reality that while things out there might be complicated, the message of Christmas is very, very simple. The message of Christmas is not complicated. And before you walk out of here today, I want you to be really clear about this simple message of Christmas. I want you to be able to internalize it and I want you to be able to own it and I want you to be able to share it because it is good news. What we're talking about today is the simple but world changing good news that is the message of Christmas. So I thought, where do you start? You might start, okay, well, there was Mary and Joseph, weren't there some shepherds? No, we're starting. In the beginning. That's a good place to start, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 26. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So you need to get this here. God already existed for all of time, and he decided that he wanted people to share in his joy, share in his glory. So he wanted to create mankind. So he creates us, and he doesn't just create us, he creates us in his image. If you have a pen and you're you're following along in your notes, circle in his image. That he designed you and me in his image. Not that we are gods, but that we are godly. We have the potential to be godly, that he puts his fingerprint on our souls. God created us, in his image, that was the beginning. But then things turned dark because mankind, when they're walking around and is enjoying the garden and enjoying this perfect, harmonious relationship, humans, like we do, rebelled against God, turned our back, and chose our own way. God wanted this perfect relationship. We turned, we sinned. That's what sin literally means. It severs that relationship that God designed, and we do our own thing. And and so God creating us in his image, we rebel and turn and we usher in this time of darkness. Everything was in light, everything was open, this common relationship. Then we rebel and we enter into this dark season. And if you have any questions about if this is still a dark world, you don't have to look any further than what's been going on this week. This is a dark world. That human rebellion has caused things to go terribly wrong. That was not God's design. It was our choice to walk away from this creator God and to do our own thing. And there have been consequences for that. So look at, ver- look at Romans 3.23. Man rejects God, and and in comes darkness. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born into this tragic reality. We all, we all came into the world with our backs turned toward God, not not honoring this right, not having this right relationship with our Creator. That is the world that we live in. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied about this darkness and about the hope that would come in Isaiah nine when he says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So you have the reality of darkness that we find ourselves in, in this world. And then you have this glimmer of hope. Then you have this light that comes. You have God who who comes in the form of a child. And I imagine the, the enemy of God who who thrives, who, who does his thing in the darkness. He sees this and he wonders, what's going on here? Well, how could this be? How could this, is, is this really? I mean, imagine him. He has control. He's working his way in this dark, evil place. And then he sees this baby born in a manger and he stops and he wonders, no. Really? Is he? Is God? He's coming in as, as a child, as a baby? What? And he's trying to put it together. How is this gonna work out? And then you know what happens is King Herod tries to come and have all the babies killed because the enemy doesn't want this light coming into the darkness. But the light overcame the darkness and still overcomes the darkness. And this baby is born bringing light into the world. Look at Isaiah 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So get this now. God created man in his image. Not God's, but God-like, that we can be like him, created for relationship with him. And then we turn, rebel, things are dark, He brings light back into the equation by taking on our likeness. That the God of the universe who created us in his would then make himself subject to skin in our own likeness. Why? That's craziness. That he would humble, that he would sacrifice to that degree? So I have two younger brothers. Have you heard me talk about them? Probably. The middle one is Josh, when Josh was about seven years old, I was about nine years old. We had this dog. Now this is a crazy dog named Bootsy. Not a good dog. We I think we had I think we had like the dog training thing that was unsuccessful uh, because Bootsy was a wild thing, and and Josh wanting to like grow up and like kind of like be a, a you know be able to handle his you know dog. Man and beast. He was like, Let me walk the dog, Dad. And so Dad gave him permission. He said, Okay, here's the leash, here's what you do. I'm just gonna go around the corner next door to the to the park. And so Leash goes on Bootsy, Josh goes out the door, everything's okay. They're kind of wandering around the the driveway and the front yard. And then they turn the corner and Bootsy sees the park. And she just bolts into a dead sprint, just lunging and pulling Josh behind her. And Josh is one of those kind of like strong kids, stubborn kids. And so he's not letting go of this leash. He just starts yelling and chasing after, but he's being dragged. I mean, make no mistake. This dog is dragging my brother to the park. And Josh is starting to cry, and he's yelling, and, Bootsy, you dumb dog, stop, you know, come on. He's pulling, he's using all the words that he thinks he's heard about, heal, and, and you know, come, and, and, the, and the dog just keeps running, because it's a, it's a dumb dog. And the dog goes, and it fi- finally finds a tree, and it squats down to pee, and Josh quickly takes the leash and wraps it around the tree and just sits down with it, and just, just angry, and just waits until mom or dad or someone come to find him. If he walks away from the dog, she'll bolt, but he can't, have, he can't control her, so he can't take her back. So just wraps her real quick around the tree and sits down. He's there for like 20 minutes before dad realizes something has gone wrong. And so I go with dad, and we go around the corner, and we see Josh sitting with Bootsy, leash around the tree, and we walk up. My dad's just kind of like chuckling, trying not to laugh, and Josh is still mad. I hate this dumb dog kind of a thing. And then dad unwraps it, and we start walking with the dog. And my brother Josh, as we're walking, he starts to kind of get over his anger. And he says, that dog just won't listen to me, dad. I tried everything. I tried the come and the heel and all that stuff. She just doesn't care. And he's quiet for a little while. And then he says, you know, sometimes I just wish that I could be a dog. And then I could tell her how dumb she's acting. As a kid, I didn't didn't get it at the time, but I thought back a little bit later, and I thought, huh. So, So God becomes a human. Not to tell us how dumb we're being, but to bring light into this dark world. The God who created us in his image came like us so that we could understand that there was still hope, there was still a plan, there was still purpose for this life, that there was light despite the darkness. Our God came. Matthew one twenty one says, She, referring to Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will save people from sin. Christmas is good news. You may have heard otherwise. It may seem complicated out there in this crazy world, but Christmas is simple good news. It's not, it's not what other things in culture might suggest. It's not the hectic pace. It's not, it's not a judgment God that comes with lightning bolts and fire. It's, he, come, he came as a baby. He came to relate to us. Luke 2.11 says this, but... The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So he says, don't be afraid. In other words, this is a message of comfort and joy. Be comforted, take heart, don't be afraid. For unto you a child is born and he will bring about great joy. This message is a message of good news. And he says, it's to all people, not some people, to all people, this message. This message is not about being naughty or nice. This message is not about how much stuff that you can put under a tree. This message is not about tamales, as great as tamales are. This message is naughty. It's not even about Christmas services. It's about God came and God saved this message is simple and it is good news today it's good news for you it's good news for all people this message of Christmas is good news I was talking with a guy recently who was I was inviting him to our services and he didn't want to come not because he didn't want to come but he says to me you don't want me at your church and I asked him why 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 would you think that and he goes i 'm not good enough you don 't know what i 've done. I had the privilege of telling him that the Christmas message is not about being good enough. What, what is good enough? How could we be good enough? have you wondered I grew up wondering that I grew up wondering if I was going to be one good deed short of heaven. Have you thought about that i mean Really? Like how good is good enough? If, if I do mostly good things with some bad things scattered out in the mix, does it all shake out in the wash and God sees me as generally good? Or if I do good stuff for most of my life, but then some tragedy happens and I'm scarred and I'm bitter and I'm angry and so I do some bad stuff in this time frame, does that neutralize all the good stuff that I did previously? Or if I was mostly a bad person and I didn't care about people and I did whatever I wanted, but then I have this aha moment, this come to Jesus moment, and I start doing good things, maybe some really good things, like, like I give a kidney or a, whatever, I, whatever you can give and still live, I, I give that organ, I give that organ to somebody and they survive now, is that a good enough deed to compensate for all the other bad things that I've done? Or how about this one? How about, what if I try to be good for my whole life, but then I didn't know that I was going to get into a car accident this day, and on just this one day, I did did something bad, and I had some negative thoughts, some evil thoughts in my brain, and I didn't have time to confess it before I died. Am I going to hell? Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what I grew up wondering, fearing, thinking. And that... That isn't the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is good news for all people, that Jesus came and died to save all of our sins. The ones we've committed, the ones we're committing today, the ones we're committing the rest of our life, paid for. That is this message. That is the good news John 3.16, even if you're here in church for the first time in your life, you have heard of John 3.16. It may be on a big poster at a football game if nowhere else, right? We're gonna read that together. What is the good news? This is the good news in its, in its very simple form. For God so loved the world. You have to look at it in, it's in your notes too. I wanna break it down into those pieces. For God so loved the world. Some of us grew up thinking that the gods were angry, right? Like I was just expressing kind of my fears growing up about how good is good enough. Some of us grew up with angry parents, and so we assume that God was bitter and vengeful and angry, and that if we mess up, he's going to get us. That's not our God. For God so loved the world. He's not keeping track of everything and holding it over your head. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now it's hard to comprehend and wrap our minds around, but but this this is the God of the universe who created everything coming in the form, taking an image like ours because he loved us so much that he wanted to be able to communicate in a way that we would understand and that we would get it. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, that whoever does that mean that this message is just for Christians? Nope. And not Jews? Nope. Does that me- mean that this message is just for conservatives and not liberals? Nope. Does that mean that this message is just for a certain kind of person, but not, a, not this kind of person? Uh-uh. This message is for whoever would believe in him. Now, believe, the Apostle John is writing here, and he's, he's using a word mixture that was that we translate believe and it means that, but it can also mean to lean on. So I want you to say, you know, we're looking at this stool here and I want you to think about the fact that right now I am leaning on, putting my weight on, putting my trust in my legs. These are holding me up. Legs holding me up. Now I lean on this stool and it's what? The stool that's holding me up. Where where am I putting my trust in? the stool. Right? Legs, stool. Now, some of us, is that simple enough? I I could draw a picture if if this isn't. Where's Matt? Matt, no. Uh, So legs, stool. Now, some of us are in this kind of a situation where we have one leg still on the ground, and we're kind of testing out the stool, but not wanting to commit maybe Maybe we're, we're thinking about it. Like I might, I might do this, right? Some of you have been dancing around this idea of submitting your life wholly to God and you haven't done it yet. You wonder if he's trustworthy or you wonder if it's going to make you weird or you wonder if it's really all good news or if the second shoe's going to drop later and you find out, no, he's going to abandon you. He, he's going to, He's going to shame you. People are going to find you out. And so you haven't fully leaned in. You haven't fully put your trust in him. That's okay. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that today, though. I heard a a story about a famous tightrope walker and he strung a tightrope between two large buildings and in this part of the world where he was there weren't a lot of tightrope walkers this was a new thing for those people in this city and so a huge crowd gathered on the top of one of these buildings and he got them all fired up and he said do you believe that I can walk across this tightrope to the other side of the building and people were like I don't know this guy's crazy, so he gets on, he walks his tightrope, he gets to the other side, he comes back, he does a little, like, dances a little jig on the tightrope, because he's cocky, and he gets over to the other side, people are like, unbelievable, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, you're, you're a superhero, you know, I mean, they didn't know what to do, they just were, they were baffled that this guy could do this, and then he does, like, then he starts to, like, kind of jog across it a little bit, and do, like, a little skip, and he comes back, and people are out of their minds, they're like, you know, having them kiss their babies and they're throwing Gatorade on them and thinking this is the coolest thing we've ever seen. And he goes, I'm not done yet. Here's a wheelbarrow. And he puts this wheelbarrow on the tightrope and he goes, how many of you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow to the other side and back. And they're like, totally, we've seen what you've already done. This is going to be awesome. And so he goes and he pushes the thing and he flips it around all cocky, does it like a little turn with it, and then he walks back the other direction. He gets to the, and people are like falling on their faces. This is bonkers. Uh, you know, they're taking pictures and they're, you know, and he says, okay, I got one more. And they're like, anything, we'll stay out here all day. And so he, he gets this, his, wheelbarrow just like this. And he goes, how many of you believe that I can take a human, a full-grown man in this wheelbarrow across and back? And they go, you can definitely do that. You're a magician with that thing. He goes, great, get in. And all the dudes are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, you know, no, dude, you can totally do it. I, you know, I know, but um, I, I got this thing that I got, you know, it's a big difference between believing that someone can and then committing your life, putting your life in their hands. There's a big difference between saying, yeah, God, I believe, I believe that you created. I believe that you're good. I believe there's probably a heaven. Like, I get that, I, you know. But to fully lean on, to get off your own dependence. And to put your trust in him, that's something altogether different. And that is the invitation. That is the invitation that God offers us. That we would believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, we'll be saved now and forever. That even if you sin, you're covered. That even if, even if something happens at the last second on your deathbed and you didn't have time to confess it, or even if you fall into some bad patterns, you do some bad stuff, that you have been saved by this God, that you have put your hope and your trust in him and that he promises to save you, that you will have eternal Life, look at John 17, 3. It said, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Circle, know you. That is eternal life, to know God. Yes, there's a heaven, we believe in a heaven, but really, eternal life has already begun. If you know God, eternal life is about a relationship Eternal life is about a relationship with your creator, your God. When that relationship begins, so does eternal life. Look at John 1:10. It said, "Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God." So to believe, to put your trust in, then is to receive this gift, to receive him, to receive this eternal life, to believe is to receive. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't have this perfect track record. Lord knows I have blown it. You have blown it. It's not about being good enough. You can't. It's to believe and receive his free gift and eternal life begins. That is eternal life, to know the God who designed you and who created you to be in relationship, who created you for a purpose. He has a plan for your life, who knows the hairs on your head, who has your days numbered, who knows what will happen to you, who will never leave you or forsake you, to surrender to this God and say, yes, I believe. That is the good news. It's his free gift that he would come into this world And give himself for us. Take on skin like us. Pay for us. That's the good news. Let's talk just really quickly about what the good news is not. I want to make sure that we're good and clear on this. Look at John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus did not come to shake his finger at people like us and say, ah, you're not good enough. Oh, you messed up too much. Uh, Why can't you just get it and figure it out? That's not why he came. When Jesus was here, he hung out with the worst of sinners, with prostitutes, drunkards, with cheaters and stealers. They felt real comfortable with Jesus, as should we. That is the good news. He didn't come to judge. He came to save, and he's here right now offering you The same gift. The question is, how will you respond? Will you put your faith? Will you put your trust in this God? He did the creating, He did the coming to earth, He did the giving of Himself, He did the dying, He did the saving. Our response is simple we just do the believing and the receiving. And so I want to invite you to do that right now. Just in the privacy of your own heart and soul. Whether whether you've been kind of dancing around this idea, maybe maybe this whole you've never even heard that message in the way that that you heard it today, and maybe something clicked for you and you're saying, "I I I want that. I will receive that. I know I have been wandering around in darkness. I want to walk in the light. I want A relationship with my creator. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray for that. And maybe there's others of you here that have been kind of doing this dance where you're like, I'm kinda yeah, like I I I get it, and I'm I'm kind of in. I wanna give you the opportunity to just say, Yeah, I'm I'm putting my life in the wheelbarrow. Let's do this. Why hold back? Would you pray with me? for those of you that are here and you're saying, yeah, I'm not sure if I've ever fully committed my life to Jesus, and I want to do that right now. In your own heart and mind, I just want you to pray this prayer. God, I believe, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you are the God of the universe who came as this baby Jesus to pay for the sins of the world. I believe that and I receive your forgiveness for all my sins. I want that relationship with you from now to eternity.